0: Good morning, morning everyone, morning upstairs. I'm going to be carrying on our sermon series on Matthew, called "Come the Revolution." Come the Revolution. And today I'm going to speak in a Matthew, chapter sixteen, verses thirteen to twenty-eight. Matthew sixteen thirteen to twenty-eight. Um, so yeah, we're going to go straight into it. So if you do have your Bibles, if you turn to Matthew sixteen, and we'll read from. Yeah, Matthew 16, we read from verse 13. If you don't, the word should be up behind me. Um, So yeah, I'm just going to read for the verse. Um, Verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea, Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah. Or one of the prophets? But what about you? He asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered. You are the the Messiah. The son of the living God. Jesus replied. Blessed are you Simon son of Jonah. This is not revealed to you by flesh and blood. But by my father in heaven. And I tell you. That you are Peter. And on this rock. I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. You are a stumbling block to me, and you do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory, with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. Truly I tell you, some who are standing here will, will not taste death before they see the Son of Man come in his kingdom. Amen, that's God's word. So, yeah, let's just pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, this morning. Lord, we welcome your presence here this morning to come and yes, yeah, speak with thank you for your word and we thank you for the truth that it carries. Lord Jesus, this morning we pray that you speak, you prepare our hearts um, to be open to what you have to say and to what you're doing. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Right, so let's get to it. Um, so yeah, so far in the book of Matthew. If you've been following the sermon series, we've um, been going through Matthew and we've been following Jesus on this journey. Um, And we've seen so much of Jesus's character and how he deals with people, how he deals with crowds of people, healing people, feeding people, teaching people. And then there's these 12 guys that we know that are with him, these 12 guys called the disciples and they, they, they follow Jesus, and they're, they're learning from him, and they're in the thick of it with him. Um, and as Jesus and his disciples come to this place called Caesarea, a place that was far away from any crowds, it was just him and them, Jesus takes the opportunity to kind of gauge where these guys were at, see where they were at. And he does this by asking this question, doesn't he? He says, who do people say the Son of Man is? Who do people say the Son of Man is? Now, you see, Jesus refers to himself as the Son of Man. The Son of Man. This is Jesus' favorite way, actually, of referring to himself. The Son of Man. And through the book of Matthew, actually, he uses that that title for himself about 30 times. Calls himself the Son of Man. Now, the Bible tells us that actually God, the Son who's miraculously conceived and took human nature. Read reading John verses 1. It says, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. And then further down, verse 14, it says, and the Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. And so Jesus here referring to himself as the Son of Man emphasizes his closeness, his likeness to humanness, to me and you, the son of man, and yet we know that that title actually that refers to himself has has so much more to it, there's so many layers to that title, son of man, in Mark, the, the author John writes in his account about the coming of the Son of Man, and he writes this. He says in Mark twenty four, it says, "But in those days, after the tri- tribulations, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will be will be fa- will be failing, will be falling from heaven, and then the power and the powers in heaven will be shaken, and then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory." And so we know here that there's great significance also in that title, son of man, heavenly significance. And Jesus refers to himself as the son of man just to focus on his identity, his likeness to human, to man, to us. And so Jesus asks the question, who do people say this son of man is? And the disciples respond, well, some people say you're like John the Baptist, some people say... Like Elijah, Jeremiah or, or, or the other prophets. And then Jesus turns the question around. He turns the question around. You see, John the Baptist, Elijah, Jeremiah, these were great men of God, great followers of Christ. But you see, it was still clear that people misunderstood actually who Jesus really was. It's quite clear. If we read earlier in, in, in verse 16, chapter 1, it says how the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees actually came to Jesus and they were asking him to basically prove himself. Show us a sign, a heavenly sign. It was clear that people still misunderstood who this Jesus was. And you see that question today, who do people say the Son of Man is? Who do people say Jesus is? That's still quite relevant today, isn't it? Still quite relevant and so as you do, you know, these days when we need something, need some sort of information, we go straight to Google. I did a Google, um, and I typed in most influential people of all time. And here's what I found. Should be a slide there, of Google, most influential people of all time. And right there in number three, we see Jesus. There's a couple of people up above him. And in some, some articles, it puts, ranks Jesus as number one, some number two, and some number three. Most influential people of all time. Jesus actually classes quite an influential person, according to Google. And so back to the scripture, just as quickly actually as Jesus asked that question, what are people saying? He then flips that question right around and he asks another question, an even bigger question. Now, the title of this preacher, when Simon sent it to me, is called The Big Question. And here's the big question. Jesus says in verse 15, He says, But what about you? Who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? You see, what truly mattered to Jesus wasn't what other people thought, it wasn't what the Pharisees or the Sadducees might have thought, it wasn't what Google said, or where he was ranked on Google. More importantly, it's personal. Jesus wanted to know what his followers thought, what his disciples thought, what you and me think. This is personal. And so let me ask you this morning, Jubilee, what about you? Who do you say he is? And if you're listening to this this morning and you might not consider yourself a Christian, you might be thinking, well, I don't know i not sure. And so let's look at a scripture and see what the Bible says Jesus is. Verse 16, Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Amen. Here we have Simon Peter being a typical A-star student and stepping up, representing the other guys and saying, yes, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. We hear previously Jesus referring to himself as the Son of Man, emphasizing his identity as truly man. And then Simon Peter here identifying, and recognizing Jesus as the Son of God, truly man and truly God. The penny was starting to drop, wasn't it? See, he wasn't just a great teacher or a great prophet. Or a good man, a miracle worker, a great influencer. He is the Messiah. Jesus was the Son of God. And so, what does that mean for you and me today? What does that mean? Jesus, the Son of God. See, the foundation of our Christian faith is to believe that truth, isn't it? It's to accept this truth. To declare it with our mouth, just like Peter did. We read in Romans 10 9, it says, If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You'll be saved. Freedom, salvation. That's what it means. See what it also means is commitment, isn't it? It means commitment. Colossians chapter 2, 67 says, So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See, Jubilee, knowing and believing in Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior, it should compel us to commit to following him, to live in our lives Based on that commitment that he is the saviour. I'm going to touch on what that commitment might look like a bit later. But one point I really want to, um, yeah, to emphasise this morning is that, see, Jesus wants, to, wants you to get to know him, doesn't he? He's really interested in who you are, in you. On a personal level. It's not about what? your friends may think. It's not about what your colleagues at work may think. It's not what other people think. Jesus, God, is interested in you. And so back to the big question, who do you say he is? I read in verse 17 that um, it was God in heaven that revealed to Peter who Jesus was. And as Peter declared earlier, he says, you are the son of the living God. Let me encourage you this morning, Jubilee. Our God is a living God. Amen? He's a living God. And he wants to reveal himself to you today. Move on to verse 18. And so after Jesus had ensured that his followers, his disciples kind of understood and recognized who he really was. Jesus then gives Peter a little pat on the back. Well done. And then he makes up some very important promises, doesn't he? In verse 18, he says, I tell you, Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. On this rock, this rock being the referring to the confession the declaration that Jesus is Messiah, Jesus is God. And on this, Jesus God is building his church. Amen. It says here God will build his church, not me, not you, not anybody else, not the government, but God will build his church. It's a biblical promise. Says in 1 Corinthians, Corinthians first, verse three, chapter, um, chapter three, verse eleven, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. God is building His church, and you see, one thing I want to emphasize is when Jesus, when the Bible talks here about building, God building a church, He's not talking about a building. Or some sort of organisation or charity, as it were. It's not talking about renovation projects. You know, stripping out these pews, moving some walls around, putting some comfy chairs. That's not what he's talking about, is it? (laughs) But actually, what it's referring to is the people. The church is God's people, isn't it? You and me. People from different backgrounds. People from different nations, all united in that belief that Jesus is Messiah. Jesus is the Savior. That's the church. And God is building that today. And so Jesus also promised that the gates of Hades will not overcome it. In other words, the church, you and me, will triumph. The battle is already won. My prayer for us this morning, Jubilee, is that we can cling to those promises. those promises. The power of hell, death, fear will not overcome us. Amen? Amen. 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 And so just as Jesus thought, his followers now kind of understood, you know, who he was. He then wanted to kind of reveal the next step or his mission on earth as the Son of Man was. And so in verse 21, Jesus starts to explain how he must go to Jerusalem and suffer and ultimately be killed, but on the third day, be raised to life. And then we see Peter again. Peter must have been really excited at this point, a really high, you know, discovery, gosh, Jesus, son of God, right there in front of me in human form, really excited. He then turns and takes Jesus to one side. And he says, no, not you, not you, Lord. That can't happen to you. You can't suffer. And we see Jesus say this statement, get behind me, Satan. Ouch. Get behind me, Satan. It's a real lesson there, isn't there? You see, Jesus knew what his mission was. It was a must. He would humble himself and suffer and die on the cross to pay the price for our sins and set us free, ultimately. And anything other than that was not the will of God. Get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind concerns of God, but merely human concerns. See, Jubilee, it's important that we recognize when Satan is trying to get in the way, isn't it? We must recognize. That's the lesson here. We must be vigilant. There's an enemy in all of this. Satan wants us to leave God out of the picture. And just as we've learned in, throughout this, this sermon series in Matthew, we must fix our eyes on God. Fixing our eyes on God. Because losing focus means it allows room for Satan to creep in. It allows room for worry to creep in. For fear to creep in. Our own agendas to creep in. And so it's important that we're vigilant, that we're aware of where Satan is trying to get us to take God out of the picture. That's what was happening here, wasn't it? There's an enemy here who he wants us to go it alone and not consider God. And so where might the enemy, Satan, be tempting you this morning? What areas of your life do you know or do you feel like, I've removed God out of the picture here. pray this morning, Jubilee, that whatever concerns and worry that we have, we can give that all to God. And I pray that Satan will not get in the way of God's will for our lives. Amen? And so just after Jesus had made this clear to his disciples that suffering was a must, he must go and suffer and ultimately be killed. He then explains a bit more about what this suffering Could look like. Deny yourselves. Take up your cross and follow me. Now some of you might be thinking, what on earth does that mean? Well you see, have you ever asked yourself this question? How much? How much? Might be before before you buy something mainly, or... Before you commit to doing something, you might be thinking, How much? How much is that gonna cost me? See, I'm African, I'm Nigerian, I grew up in Nigeria, for those of you who might not know. And Africans, we love to to haggle. We love to like try and get the price down as cheap as you can. You know? And you know, there's a lot of open markets and you know, if you want to buy something, it's it's gonna cost you however much you're willing to haggle that price down to. How much? When it comes to the gospel, when it comes to living for Christ, being a Christian, following Jesus, there's a cost, isn't there? Jesus makes it clear here that you must take up your cross. In other words, there will be suffering, there will be persecution, there will be temptation pain, embarrassment maybe. But we must carry all of that for Jesus. Now you see, for people in Jesus' day, for the disciples and and them guys there, they they would have had a clear picture, a clear kind of vivid picture of what that, that, that suffering, what that cost could look like. Suffering, rejection, sacrifice, even death. Um, an author and Bible teacher, Andrew Wilson, writes in his book Incomparable, he says, This Jesus Christ is Lord has been the most dangerous thing you can say. And in many parts of the world today, it still is. It still is. And so, in a nutshell, being a Christian, believing and following Jesus, We'll we'll come with challenges, obstacles, temptations, costs. And so let me ask you this morning, Jubilee, have you considered the cost of following Christ? What does that look like for you? Is it speaking up, sharing the gospel to your non-Christian friends and family, perhaps? Risking them calling you weird or turning you down embarrassment maybe is it stepping out is it serving leading doing what God has called you to to build his church even if it costs you time effort sacrifice or is it opening up your homes creating a safe place welcoming people from different backgrounds, different nations, being in community together? Or is it given your finances? Is it given your time, your effort, your talent? Following Jesus compels us to change, change our priority, which will shake up every aspect of our lives, every aspect of our lives. And so how do we approach this? How do we approach this, this, this cost? How do we approach all of this? It says in verse 25, so, so, so it says in verse 25, um, "Whoever wants to lose his life, whoever, whoever wants to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for me will find it." See, when I read this bit, it kind of reminded me a bit about myself in a swimming pool, trying to swim. See, I can't swim, I'm not going to lie. I didn't take the time out to learn when, when I was younger. And so when I'm trying to swim, whenever we take the kids to swimming and I'm trying to show off a bit, I'm just there frantically moving my hands and my legs, making a desperate attempt to stay afloat and try and move forward, and there's just water going everywhere. It's not, it's not nice, it's not pleasant. And that's me desperately trying to do it in everything in me. And you see, we can sometimes go through life like this, can't we? Using every ounce, everything in us to, 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 to desperately do it in our own will. Modern day society says, it's up to you. It's up to you. You must be in control. But you see, what the Bible teaches is something completely different, isn't it? Bible says deny yourself lose your life for Christ in other words change the way you live for a life committed to Jesus and in doing that you'll find life you'd find life and let me tell you it's just it's not going to be life as you know it it's going to be life in all its fullness so when we approach this course, we must do it knowing that there's an ultimate reward, which is abundant life. Yes. Yeah, we all know that the verse in John 3.16, for God so loved the world that oh, is, yeah. to, <laughs> for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have life. And life in all its fullness. And just as I wrap up, I'm just gonna invite Dave and um, and Lou to, to come up um, and there's a few things I just wanted to say in, in conclusion this morning it's a big question isn't there it's a big question who do you say God is who do you say God is see this morning guys let me tell you, Jesus, God, wants to get to know you. Yeah? On a personal level. Now You might be looking in all sorts of places for answers. Google, social media, society, friends. But Jesus is saying, come to me. He wants to reveal himself to you this morning, doesn't he? And so will you choose to be open to that? Whatever that could look like. It might have a cost. Sacrifice. Will you choose to deny yourself? Will you choose to step out for Jesus? When we talk about costs, we know that Jesus paid the ultimate cost, don't we? When he died on the cross for you and for me, so that we can have life in all his fullness. And so we're going to go into a time of, of, of worship now, and I really feel like, as we go into this time of worship, to take the opportunity to really consider that question of, who's Jesus to you this morning? Some of you might be thinking about that question for the first time. Yeah? I feel like God wants to reveal himself afresh also to some of us this morning. Might be areas in our lives where we might have thought, do you know what, I've completely removed God out of the picture. I've let Satan creep in perhaps. So as we go into this song, I'm just going to invite you to so to really have a think about that question, to really pray, and to ask God, ask God to reveal Himself.